Got to hear that. Hopefully words were going through your mind as well. well we have uh, those from the Hope Center today. As I said, if you were here earlier, you were blessed. And uh, because you are here, you're going to be blessed again and hopefully have already. So I'm going to ask Brian. He's going to come up. And uh, I'm just going to let these guys are going to run with it as the Lord leads them. And so you have your heart open to them. Thank you, Brian. Good morning, everyone. Um, first of all, I just want to thank you for welcoming me into your church. And uh, Brian, I want to thank you for allowing me to represent the Hope Center. Um, it wasn't very long ago I wouldn't have been accepted in a place like this, and it's for good reasons, honestly. Um, you know, I come from a I come from a dark past, you know, not too long ago. Um, I was crippled with a lot of evil and uh, allowed my addictions to take over my world to a point of um, I hated who I'd become. I hated who I destroyed, and I apologize if I get emotional because um, today I truly believe, uh, I truly, truly believe that I'm a follower of Christ and, and I'm a true believer in Christ. Uh, it doesn't always look perfect, but I know every day I'm trying to grow, and I don't know what that looks like. Um, I know today that every day is just looking like a new day that I don't, I don't want to run my life anymore. I know my life, the way, you know, where my best thinking has always ended me in jails, institutions, and thank God, not death. Um, and it goes in that order because no matter how bad I wanted help at any point in time in my life, I couldn't get there. Um, it took that, it took that separation. It took me, you know, not that I was wanting to commit these crimes. It's not that I, I'm not saying that I wasn't, you know, 100% accountable for what I did. It was the fact that I didn't want to do these things. Looking back at it today, I know God was removing me from situations, you know, trying to get me to a further point. Um, uh, you know, I believe today that I have a calling on my heart to to work with other addicts and other men and women of addiction. And uh, I can look back a little. I can look back right now and, and see why why he chose to take me down this path um, to humble me because I didn't I took everything for granted. Um, you know, I'll, I'll jump back to a little bit about my history, you know, from the beginning. Um, I have a loving, loving family, a uh, beautiful mother that's just done nothing but had a beautiful heart her whole life, planted that seed of God in me, and grandparents that did the same. You know, from a little boy, you know, I was always had a great imagination. Um, people just surrounded, you know, I, I, was, I was always a hard worker. You know, there's no excuse is what I'm getting at for why I chose the path that I did. But somewhere along the lines, I started becoming very uncomfortable in my own skin, and I didn't understand why that was. And I had to find an escape. So um, I'm sorry I didn't introduce myself. My name is Aaron Davis. And uh, uh, so I'm sorry. It's been a while since I've had to get up in front of people and speak, so I'm a little rusty. Um, so anyways, yeah, so from an early age, you know, I, I really didn't have much excuse for why things started to go bad, but I know at 35 years old, um, I've already lived in 20 years of addiction, so that means around 15, maybe a little bit younger, is when that uncomfortability in my body got so strong that I, I felt the need that I had to escape from it, and it wasn't anybody's fault but my own. Um, like I said, you know, earlier, looking back right now, I can see what God, what the path that God chose for me to walk down. Um, I needed a lot of humbling. I had this ego and this pride that 
I just didn't know how to, I didn't know how to take things that were given, the, the blessings that he was putting in my life, I just, I didn't know how to appreciate those things. Um, I took them for granted and uh, humbling me, allowed me to put me in a position today that, you know, I know in my heart that I'm placed here to be useful to somebody. Um, I have to see it that way because I know it wasn't for nothing. Uh, this, uh, so anyway, so from the age of 15, it, it started, you know, just started with some drinking. Um, then it, it led to taking prescription drugs. Um, my opiate addiction is what finally crippled me. It started out with an uh, injury is what introduced me to him, but you know, that didn't matter because it really excelled from there. Um, that's what took me to the darkest place I'd ever been in. Um, it's not, it's, it gets, it gets bad out there with the, for us addicts, you know, it, when it gets dark, it gets really dark. Um, you know, I don't think there was ever a time that I wanted to do the things I was doing, but I was absolutely doing those things. Like I said, you wouldn't have invited me in this church. There were times for good reasons you wouldn't have invited me in here. Um, but so this last term of incarceration, uh, I was fully convinced, you know, that I was, you know, I was fully convinced that I, I, it happened for the reason that I was being separated. You know, at first it, it sucked going through a detox, sorry, but it, it, was, it was really bad going through this detox phase, but I knew God had pulled me out for a reason. He, I couldn't separate myself for the last three years. I had tried to, I kept trying to pull myself out and trying to pull myself out, going to these detoxes. I just couldn't get through it. I couldn't get, I couldn't get myself past day four. Um, so I knew he was doing for me what I couldn't do. Uh, and, and it was a rough road for, at first. Um, it, it looked really ugly. It didn't look like I was being helped, you know. But um, right when I thought, you know, I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm, a, I'm an addict, so maybe they're going to let me out and try to get this treatment. No, not this time. They had told me I was, you know, I was going to do a minimum of three years and a maximum of 25 years in prison, and that was it. Um, I had at one point tried to file for an alternative sentence. Um, Hope Center had came, and I did this phone interview, and Rob Yost, the man he was talking, uh, who Brian was talking about earlier, he, um, he got on the phone with me and talked this over with me. I'm like, man, this is what I really want. This, is, I, this would be great. But they didn't see it that way. That's not where they were going to send me. They, they wanted me to go to prison. And uh, so I let go of that hope one last time. You know, even though I knew I wanted to, I wanted to better myself, but my path wasn't looking like that. Um, and about the time I was fully convinced that, you know, I felt like I just really screwed up this time and I'm going to prison. Um, and not to mention, I mean, not to say that I hadn't in the past, but this time, like, you know, I'd really got myself caught up in a mess. And... I was fully convinced that I was going uh, the day before, the day, the night before I went to a sentencing, um, or not a sentencing, but uh, I was signing an agreement to go away. And, you know, I just, I remember sitting in my cell and I remember just, talk, I didn't know what to say to God. I just said, please, you know, please give me the strength to be okay with what was going to happen. Because I, I wanted, I was tired of hurting my family. I was really tired of hurting my family. I was tired of hurting my mother. And I just had a brother that recently just fell and almost lost his life. He fell 35 feet. So my mother's dealing with the son in, 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 um, in, in ICU. You know, he's, he doesn't know if he can walk again. And she's also dealing with, in the same month, she's dealing with the son that's getting ready to go to prison. So I can't imagine. You know, I thought I went through hard times, but I can't imagine what my mother was going through. Um, 
So we, I go to court. I just, I remember pleading with God, like, please just give me the strength to be okay with what was going to happen. And uh, so they take, they transport, transport me to court the next day. And um, they'd already called, my attorney had already called Rob Yost and said, look, he's, he's not getting out, so don't worry about it. You don't need to show up. I remember walking into the courtroom. They allowed me to see my mother for a short minute. And uh, she was who showed up to see me. Because I pushed everybody else out of my life. That's who showed up in that courtroom that night or that morning um, was my mother. Thank God she was there. But you know, I pushed everybody else out of my life, and uh, um, I just remember seeing the tears and the pain that I had put in her because she knew I was going away too. They'd already told her that there was no hope for anything. And I'm not saying that this wasn't the end of the world, me going to the sentence, but it was just the heartbreak of, you know, that I felt like I was wakened up. And I, I really wanted this chance to try to recover one last time but so being fully convinced you know God leads us to things that we fear the most when we least expect it and that's just been on my heart a lot here lately um, it wasn't that anything extraordinary happened but um, I remember sitting in front of the judge and he started asking a bunch of questions and we go through these list of things and when we came to this you know there's still this little hint of hope maybe he might change his mind but when we came to this part where he's talking about probation and alternative sentence, he asked me to pick my pen up and scratch that out because it didn't apply to me. And uh, so, okay, we're going at my, I just, I just can, I can hear, I can see my mother crying and I just, I'm devastated. And so when I leave out of there after I sign this plea to three to 25, I remember walking back, they, they make us walk back over to the holding center and these, um, the officers there just came up to me and said, hey, uh, is your last name Davis? Yes, uh, well, we have a release form for you. And, you know, I didn't want to believe it. And I just thought I've already had so much time invested. I'd already been incarcerated this, at this point for about seven or eight months. And I didn't want to believe it. You know, I just was like, yeah, this must be a mistake. But I remember when it was all said and done, they released me that day. Something had changed in those courts. Someone changed in those people's minds because there was no reason. I don't understand. Still to this day, I don't understand it. It only could be God because, um, you know, this, there's certain rules we have to follow and there's certain stipulations that the courts have to follow. I don't know why they changed their mind in that 15 minutes walks back over to the holding. But I can just remember it took, it was like a three hour process. And I remember walking out of those doors and it was just like God had removed everything in his moments. I go sit, my mom was sitting outside. You know, of course, she was more than excited because she wasn't expecting it either. So I go sit in her car, and I just remember feeling this, having this feeling that God had just removed all those things. Like, I didn't even feel like I had just walked out of incarceration. I felt like I had more or less just been free this whole time. And, you know, um, a, lot of, a lot of horrible things had taken place while I was incarcerated. Just, you know, it's just a, it's a stressful environment. And you, you carry those things with you almost like a PTSD. But, you know, it was just like removed from me at that point. And um, I just, I know walking out of there, coming to Hope Center, um, I, I can't stress enough that this isn't anything that I want to do anymore. This is, this is what I have to stop and let go of and let God just take control of things. I know for a fact that um, he's got a plan for me and I'm trying to remove myself daily, just allow him to do those things. Um, I'm sorry if I'm bouncing around a lot or what I'm saying doesn't make a whole lot of sense but the you know the fact is um, I, you know I can't deny the presence of God in my life today um, 
and I can't be more thankful for the Hope Center because, you know, what they do is, you heard Brian say earlier maybe, um, he doesn't, they're brainwashing us with the Bible, and he's not sorry for that, you know, and there's days it feels a little uncomfortable, but, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sorry that I'm in this situation either, and I'm not sorry that I have this really hard challenge because I'm a guy that can't, um, I need that hard challenge. I can't take this easy walk. And looking back now, I know why I had to take this hard course because I know that things I've been through, I, I know if I apply myself, I can be useful to somebody else that struggled like I did. And, and just having the courage to stand in front of these people and show them where I've been and where I've, where I've got to. Um, I know without having a solid foundation with God, I can't do that. And you know, having this year to be able to work on myself and, and rebuild that solid foundation it's crucial. Um, you know, I'm going to slip and fail if I don't have that foundation to stand on. And I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to finish with saying that I can't be any more thankful for the Hope Center. Um, you guys have not, you know, God has uh, totally removed me from a, a life of just sin and evil. And, and um, you know, this, this opportunity, I'm sorry, but this opportunity has just allowed me to rebuild everything and to, you know, it's, it seems selfish that I'm, I'm just taking a pause on life and, and doing all these things, but I know with, if I apply myself, I'm going to have a great opportunity to help others and that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. So thank you guys for having me. I'm sorry if I bounced around too much, but I kind of came unprepared. I don't like to prepare for things. I try to get out of the way. So thank you guys. How to get out of prison and to us. That that's that was the that was the release. That was what the the yeah, that was the the condition of your home plan, right? Yeah, um, it was just kind of spur of the moment. I don't want to still this moment I'm not sure why, because it's part of an alternative sentence, uh, is what's usually applied for. But they had denied it so many times that three times they denied it, so um, yeah, it was just kind of like truly a God thing because I'd already done the paperwork for the center, but they rejected it. And then, like I said, after signing the paper, I found my wife, you know, they just stopped, stopped, seemed fit to uh, send me there. So they'd already told Rob Goose not to show up to that thing. So somebody changed their mind. Sucker. <laughs> Well, I am Brian McClure, and I am the director of Hope Center Ministries, and met a lot of you all back in November when I was here previously with my wife. Uh, my wife was bummed when I told her that I was coming uh, because she wanted to join me and got to, she and uh, another young lady at our church got to share a cabin with your ladies when they were all at the women's retreat together. Um, and she said, you're going to have to tell everybody. I said, hi, that I wish that I was there. I'm actually the worship leader at our church. Sarah and I lead worship together, and so I told Sarah she couldn't come because she had to stay back and lead worship. Um, so I, I get to do the I get to do the traveling. Um, so they are there doing that this morning. But uh, Sarah sends her her hello uh, to all of you all as well, and and sorry that she can't be with us. Um, so I was I was telling Jason a moment ago. I I have a couple of things that I wanted to be able to share with you all too. Just some updates since I was here back in November. Um, but uh, when I had spoken with Jeff um, earlier this this week as well, he said, and maybe like a five-minute devotional or something like that, um, or Bible study, I think it's maybe the word that he used. And um, 
And I said, absolutely. Uh, I love I love bringing scripture. I love bringing the gospel. Uh, I think the gospel is applicable to everything in our lives, including addiction um, and uh, and recovery ministry as a whole. And so I had some stuff prepared. And as we were sitting here during the Sunday school hour, and Jason was up here sharing his testimony, um, I felt like God was telling me, "I'm going to have you do this instead." And and I thought, "Oh no, that's not what I've prepared to teach. That's not what I've prepared for." Um, and then, and so I was kind of arguing it in my head, and then all of a sudden, the passage that I was going to use this morning, Jason started reading and quoting that in his testimony, and I thought, ah, oh. so he stole it from me, and that's why God was telling me to prepare for something different, because uh, this young man's about to steal your thunder. So, um, anyways, but I, I went on, I went to a totally different place while while Jason was talking, and. Um, and and want to want to share something um, with you all this morning, a very familiar story, um, but I think it I think it I think it speaks to uh, recovery ministry as a whole. Um, I think it speaks to all of our lives, um, re- regardless of whether or not you've battled addiction. Um, you know, in Ephesians chapter one, uh, it's, it says that before the creation of the world, beginning around verse three, and I'm going to paraphrase um, through like three through. 15, I think, um, of chapter 1 of Ephesians. He says, before the creation of the world, God already knew you, already had had a predetermined destiny for your life. Before the creation of the world, before Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Before Adam and Eve, God already knew you and had already a predetermined destiny for your life. He had already called you. He had already set you apart. He had already chosen you, had already forgiven us. And and his plan was for us to be adopted through his son from before the beginning of the world. God already had us dreamt up in a plan for our lives. And so many times um, we like, like Aaron was saying, we like to take our own things into our own hands and kind of run our own way and do our own thing and uh, similar to the story of the prodigal son who decided to take what was in his his inheritance and run and squander it into his own lifestyle, right? Um, and at some point in time, recognizing what the purpose and the plan that his father had for him, he had thrown it away and needed to come back home. Well, there's a story that you all are familiar with, I'm sure, in the in the book of Jonah. Anybody know the Jonah story, right? Um, there's this guy named Jonah, and it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. He says, you're going to go to Nineveh, and you're going to preach against the wickedness of the Assyrians. Imagine, if you would, in that point in, in, in life, to hear God's voice say, you're going to go to Nineveh. You're going to go somewhere. I'm going to tell you where you're about to go. You hear God's voice, and then you look at God and go, I don't think so. <laughs> See you later, bub. And you go the opposite direction, right? And and throughout our lives, many times, some of us have done that, maybe not to that extreme. I think if I, I would like to think that if I heard God's voice and I said no, that, that I would not say no if I heard God's voice, right? I'd be like, okay, God, prove to me that this is you. Um, but he runs away and he gets on a boat headed for Tarsus, Right? And as he's out there on the boat, the storm begins to come, right? 
And as the storm comes and the boat's rocking back and forth and the waves are crashing up, and I imagine, I imagine all the like the big cinema movies with the waves come crashing over and they're trying to throw the loads of things over because the, the, the water's sloshing around, right? Can you all see it like in the movies? That's what I, I see it. Um, water sloshing around. They're throwing things overboard. They're trying to lighten the load. They can't figure out why is the why is this storm happening? This must be some you know someone's done something wrong. And they all begin to pray to their different gods. It says. And as they're praying to their different gods, trying to figure out what it is that's happened, they realize as they're looking around the room, somebody's missing. It's it's that Jonah fellow. Where's he at? And as they go looking for him because somebody's prayer isn't working, apparently. So they go down below deck, they find Jonah asleep. See, when we decide to go our own way and run opposite to God, we think it's not going to affect anybody but me. I'm not hurting anybody but myself. But see, all the other sailors are being brought into this storm because of the chaos of Jonah running the opposite direction. It's never just us that gets affected. And so he's downstairs asleep, minding his own business, doing his own thing, totally unaware of the chaos that, that he has brought into the life of everybody else around him in this moment. And as he goes up there, they, and they pull him up on, on, on the deck and they say, who, who, you know, who is your God? Who do you pray to? He says, oh, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God made the land and the, um, the sea. Wait a second, what have you done? We knew we knew you had said that you were gonna go somewhere you didn't, you know, that you didn't want to go that way, that you were gonna go this way instead, but we didn't realize what have you done? You gotta help us get, you know, get this stuff off of here. And he says, the only hope that you have is to throw me overboard. Um, you know, I imagine, just because we're talking about recovery, he said, I imagine it kind of going like this, just in the recovery world, right? You have but one hope. The waves are crashing, the thunder's rolling, you can't hardly hear anything all around. You have but one hope. You must throw me off. What did he say? You have but one hope. You must throw me off. Someone, Jason, what did he say? I think he said he's on dope and he's going to throw up. That's funny, right? That's fitting, right? No, that's probably not what he said. Um, but they don't want to throw him overboard. That was a good recovery joke, wasn't it? Thanks, Hunter, for laughing. We were telling jokes in the van, and none of them were on the way down here, and none of them were really that funny. Um, and, uh, and so anyways, they throw him overboard, and immediately the storm cease, right? And despite what Jonah had brought these people through, it says right here in the end of chapter 1, um, was it, what's it? Verse 15. They took Jonah and they threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. Verse 16. As at this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. So, despite what Jonah had done in this moment and the chaos they put him in, these people that were worshiping other gods realized who the true God was. They began to make a sacrifice. So God still worked amidst the mess that had happened there. And verse 17 is the part that, that always catches my attention. The last verse of chapter 1, verse 17. 
It says, now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. You know, a lot of times the way that God gets us out of the messes that we run into may not always look like the circumstances that we want to put ourselves into. Do you think that in that moment, Jonah's sitting here going, oh God, thank you for the provision of this fish so that I didn't drown to death in this sea. He's probably looking at it and going, oh, I'm punished now, getting the consequences of my actions. God's going to leave me in here to die. The Lord provided a great fish. God provided a way out. It, he was going to die there in the sea with the storms, you know, having crashed around, probably taking him out to a place where they didn't see land in sight. And what was going to happen? He would have been fish food. And he was. He got swallowed by a great fish, right? And God provided a fish to swallow Jonah. And he was there for three days and three nights. And we, we can go a whole different way and talk about the parallels of that and Jesus and the heart of the earth. And that's another story for another day. Um, if you didn't know that, Pastor, I just gave you a little something, something there. Um, and when he humbles himself and prays and cries out for salvation and cries out in repentance for the life that he, the things that he had done in running opposite God, God commands the great fish to spit Jonah out. And he's right back on the path that God had called him to in the first place. He didn't have to make his way back to where he was supposed to go. God commanded the fish to spit him out right on the path, the direction that he was supposed to be heading in the first place. None of this, I told you so. None of this condemnation or shame on you for doing these things and running away. He saves him, spits him out back on the path that God called him to in this life. And every single one of us, God has called us, according to Ephesians chapter 1, since before the creation of the world, he has a calling, a predetermined destiny for us to be adopted as sons and daughters to him, heirs to his kingdom. My, my favorite, my translation, the NIV translation at the end of that, it says that we are God's prized possession, right? He has this, he has this plan for our life. And sometimes we run the opposite direction and he's got to capture us and spit us back out the way that we were supposed to be going. And in Hope Center Ministries, I have the honor and privilege of meeting people that are in that place right now, maybe not where they thought they wanted to be at. Maybe right now they're in the, in the belly of that fish and they're figuring out how to get their life straight. But I get the honor and privilege of watching what God's doing as they begin to cry out for salvation, as they begin to cry out for, for a hope from Jesus Christ, begin to cry out to God to... to renew the promise, the calling that he had on their life as they begin to seek him. And I get to see the men of God that they become, the fathers, the brothers, the sons, the husbands that God intended them to be in the first place. So Hope Center Ministries, we are a Christ-based drug and alcohol recovery program, and we exist to lead addicts and their families to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Unashamedly, Jesus Christ is the center of everything that we do. Um, does that mean that we're perfect? <laughs> no, because it's still a bunch of us humans that are running things. But we strive to make sure that Jesus is at the center of every single thing that we do. 
Um, and some days we have good days and some days we're a little bit like Jonah and we got to get ourselves smacked by a fish just to get right back on course. Um, but I have the honor and privilege of being able to serve as director. And so I bring greetings from Hope Center. Since I was here back in November, I just wanted to share a couple, I made a couple notes for myself here. Um, since November, um, we've had 12 baptisms, whether they are first time salvations or rededications. Um, since November, we have had three graduates and two that are graduating this Friday. Um, we currently have 25 residents and I found out yesterday that we have two more coming on Monday. Our capacity is 30. Um, and the unfortunate reality of recovery ministry is that you never stay full. Um, there are people that get in and are getting excited about what's going on, even if they're furloughed to us, the court sends them to us. Sometimes people decide that they, they don't want to do this any longer. Um, and so we do see a turnover, uh, unfortunately, but seeds are planted. Uh, Friday nights with our families attending, as I said, we exist to, to lead the addicts and their families to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We have four opportunities for family to be involved in our in the process with these men over the course of a year. They're welcome to come to church on Sunday. We're encouraged to come to church with them on Sundays and to have a, a visitation time after church together. Monday nights, we encourage them to come to the recovery meeting. Wednesday night, church, Bible study. And then Friday night, we do family support. And um, this past Friday night, we had our residents plus 33 family members, whether they were in person or on a Zoom call. Um, we offered Zoom for those that, that aren't able to be there in person. Um, beyond that, we also have volunteers, counselors, people that are a part of our community, our church family, um, that come out and like to engage in that as well, on top of that 33. But the family specifically, this past Friday was 33. So imagine, um, imagine a house on five acres of land with about 60 to 70 people gathering on Friday night to be able to celebrate in the victories of what God's doing in the lives of these men. Um, eat together, because everybody likes to eat. We eat together, we do a couple songs of worship, and then they share a devotion, they share a story, they share a lesson, um, they share in the celebration of what God's doing. Um, and that's open to anybody. So anytime on a Friday night when uh, you realize the line is too long at Outback or at TGI Fridays and you decide you just want to head up to, uh, to old Sandyville, um, we got food for you come join us we would love to have you um we are going to be uh your pastor made a joke uh, about me being at the women's retreat and uh i i like to go to the women's retreats um actually uh my wife and i have been invited to multiple times lead worship for the women's retreats um, we will be at the women's retreat on june 3rd at parchment valley uh so any of you ladies that would like to join us we'd love to see you there um, they actually, the, the ABW um, selected Hope Center as one of their four projects uh, through the West Virginia Hope Scholarship uh, to be recipients of that. And so um, there's going to be a collection of hygiene supplies and um, cleaning supplies and things like that that they're going to be bringing um, to, the, to the women's retreat in June um, to bless our guys and to bless what we're doing there. Um, so we will be at that. So I encourage you to come. Join us then. Uh, we might, Sandy likes to have some of our guys give testimony of that. And then we met some of you all at the men's camp um, at Cowan last summer. And um, so our guys are vamping up, getting ready for the men's camp at Cowan uh, the first weekend in August. And we now have not just us, we have a Marietta, Ohio location and we have a Wheeling, West Virginia location now. And so I told Frank Miller, I said, you know, um, he's, he's working with the the AB men's camp I said you know we got like 
anywhere between 80 to 90 guys in the Hope Center that, that would love to come to camp. And he said, you think you can get them all there? I said, and their families. And he's like, so we're going to add like 100 to 120 people to camp this year? I said, let's do it. So uh, we're all going to be at Cowan. So if you don't have plans already, come join us, uh, be a part of this, uh, and join us there as well. Um, I, I, I want to I wanna say one last thing um, with, uh, with this whole deal. Like, I go to... I go to the story of um, David and Goliath um, when I think about this. We all have situations in our life, and some of you all have battled addiction. I've never battled addiction um, in, in the sense of drugs or alcohol. Um, I've never battled addiction. I think all of us are addicted to something. Um, we have things in our lives that we, we can't seem to function without. Um, if I was going to be honest with you, I'd probably talk to you about my coffee intake on a daily basis and my caffeine. Um, I think all of us, I think, and, and my question would be, if anybody else drinks caffeine like I do, if you don't have caffeine that morning, coffee that morning, do you get headaches? Are you going through with the, the withdrawals of not having your caffeine? Just telling you. See, some of y'all just as guilty as me. Um, and, uh, but all of us battle something. Um, and all of us, all of us, if we were going to get real, probably have have relied on, at some point in time, maybe not right now, but at some point in time in our lives, have relied on other things um, that have taken the, the, the forte in our life. And um, sometimes we feel like it's a bigger thing than what we can overcome. And I think about the story of David and Goliath, and I think about that, that giant that has taunted them for 40 days and the fear of the, of the camp um, that surrounds them. And then David, the unexpected one, that comes running forward, and he realizes something that the rest of the camp didn't realize. The rest of them are sitting back wondering who's strong enough to defeat this guy, who's big enough to defeat this guy, who's skilled enough to defeat this guy. And David goes running forward, and he's, Goliath looks at him and says, what am I, a dog that you come at me with sticks and stones? And David's response was, you, you come at me with javelin spear, but I come at you in the name of the Lord God Almighty. And today, he is going to defeat you. He is going to kill you, and I'm going to cut off your head. <laughs> and he's not boasting about what he is capable of doing. He's boasting about what his God is capable of doing. And we have giants in our life, and we have giants in our, in our communities, and we have giants in the world around us. And we need to realize the battle is not ours. The battle belongs to the Lord. And when the battle belongs to the Lord, he is going to bring about that victory. And so we don't have to rely on our own experience, or our own background, or our own skill set, or our own understanding. We step in alignment with what God is able to do and ready to do. And we watch what God does, and we get to claim that victory with him. We sang this song right at the very beginning, and you said, I don't know this song. Um, and I didn't know the song either, but I pulled out the hymnal, so I, I have a background in music, and I can follow the notes, and I can figure out the, the melody line. Um, but the third line of the first verse of, O oh, Jesus, I have promised, uh, says, I shall not fear the battle if thou art by my side. So whatever situations are in, in your life, whether you've got addiction going on in your community or in your family, whether you've got some other giants in your life around you, I would plead with you, I would beg you, I would encourage you, um, remember that God's, God's got this. 
He has a predetermined destiny for your life. And whatever thing you might, whatever giant you're facing, whatever fish you might find yourself in at the moment, trust that he's got a bigger picture. He's, that he's got a bigger purpose. He sees the bigger picture. And he's going to bring you right back into alignment. You just be faithful and obedient to him. Amen. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for the time to be able to get together and worship, get together in uh, sharing about what you are doing, God, what you have done. God, I thank you for the encouragement of stories from the from your word, from your scripture, of stories of what you're doing uh, in the lives of these men uh, at Hope Center. I thank you for what you're doing in the lives of the people around us. God, may we remember, um, may we remember that you are on your throne, that you are capable of doing so much more than what we can ever realize. And if we just continue in worship and continue in thanksgiving and continue in praise and continuing to follow after you and chase after you, God, you are going to bring about so much victory. So we thank you in advance for what you're going to do amidst the things that you're already doing. We love you, God. Amen.